0: Welcome to the 195th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions and our weekly looks at the NBA and college basketball. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which, as always, were posted on Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we will start in the NBA where Patrick went one and three with his predictions. And in NCAA basketball, Patrick went 4-0 and in his weekend predictions. That means Patrick went 5-3 and last week combined for his weekend predictions. That brings Patrick to a 679 and 431 overall record, a 61.2% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions.
1: Well, I thought I had another good week this week overall. Um, some unfortunate losses there uh, in the NBA. I lost one game, I believe. Yeah, the Kings hit two free throws at the very end of the game. They have beaten the Clippers. I picked the Clippers both times, but I, I'm going to be honest. We all know that I'm a Kings fan. I was actually picking them, so that I'd be happy either way. Um, and I'll take the one-point losses or the one-point wins for the Kings and the one-point losses for my predictions because it makes my prediction look not outlandish, but it also makes me happy because my team won. Uh, this time, Demonis Sabonis knocked down two free throws with seven seconds left, and then Paul George came up just short on a look that could have uh, won the game for the clippers. Um that was the first really close loss of the week. Um then you had the nets who beat the Celtics 115 to 105. They were losing 51 to 23 in this game. Uh made the largest comeback in the NBA this season. Very surprising that the uh New Look uh I almost said no look because they really don't have that much left on their team and it's a uh, pretty bad team at this point. But they uh, The new-look Nets did complete this comeback over the Celtics, who have been so dominant for so long this season. Um, the Nuggets beat the Grizzlies 113-97. Uh, that was after all the controversy that's gone on with the Grizzlies this week. They beat the Nuggets last week pretty easily, but then the Nuggets returning the favor this week with uh, the Grizzlies down a few players for, well, a myriad of reasons, actually, not not just John Moran and his off-the-court things, but Brandon Clark also tore his ACL earlier in the week, or tore his Achilles, actually. Um, so a lot of injuries going on with Memphis, really just Desmond Bain kind of holding down the fort for them, and uh, that's really not enough. Um, then you have the 76ers who beat the Bucks. They made a fourth-quarter comeback. I believe they scored 48 or 49 points in the fourth quarter to win that game. So I'm not really too uh, mad about any of my losses. I, I really felt like... I just had a few close ones and not a single one of them went my way. Um, So, you know, maybe some weeks that goes 4-0 and, oh, and some weeks that goes 1-3, uh, and three, sometimes somewhere in between. This week just happened to be the worst case other than the Nuggets, obviously, getting that easy win. Uh, but in college basketball, um, I've been on fire recently. If I was a bubble team heading into uh, February, I would be easily comfortably into the field right now. Um, I have missed one prediction in the last four weeks of college basketball, um, which brings me to 15 and one over the last, uh, four weeks Uh, when I learn about these teams. And I think, you know, personally how much I watch college basketball, probably too much, uh, but you know what? I still get my work done. So it doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, I, when I get comfortable with the teams, I, I get into a flow of picking games and it's not really that hard at some point. Um, but uh, look, number nine, Texas beat number three, Kansas this week, 75 to 59. Kansas hadn't lost in a long time. They were due for a loss. Texas needed a feel-good win to end their season. They weren't going to lose on their home floor on senior night. The Moody Center has been a raucous environment all year long, and uh, they capitalized on that this weekend. Number four, UCLA beat number eight, Arizona, 82 to 73. This one, I actually was thinking about picking Arizona because I, I kept hearing all this stuff about UCLA's winning streak overall, their 24-game home winning streak. And I was like, someone has to beat them at some point. It wasn't going to be Arizona State earlier in the week uh, on Thursday. But I-, I thought maybe Arizona could could snap that streak. Um, so I was leaning towards maybe picking them, but decided against in the end. That was the right decision. Uh, West Virginia beat number 11, Kansas State, 89-81, to to get yet another signature win for their resume that uh, now isn't really being debated anymore as an out of tournament team their seating will vary uh widely from bracketologist to bracketologist myself included because you'll see some people probably with them as high as a seven seed or an eight seed ahead of some of those uh 10 and 11 loss big 10 teams like iowa and illinois or even arkansas the same situation in the sec but you'll also see some people having them behind some of those teams that people don't consider uh very safe because of their because west virginia does have 13 losses Uh, of their own. So you might see them below, for some people, teams like a Rutgers or a Pitt or an NC State, someone who has kind of a weaker resume overall. Uh, So it's it's West Virginia is a really interesting team bracketology-wise, but I will tell you that whoever they play in the first round is going to be in trouble, because this team at the end of the year just rounded into form. They had a horrible start in Big 12 play, but when you consider how good the Big 12 is, basically every week they're playing top 25 teams uh, at least once a week. And they were able to easily beat every single one of the not, uh, tournament quality teams in the big 12. And then they were able to pretty much split half and half with the teams that are high tournament quality, like the Baylors of the world and Kansas state and TCU, uh, obviously Kansas and Texas, and some more of the other teams that are at the top of the big 12. I, hope I didn't really miss anybody. Iowa state is one of them. Um, So I really just think that West Virginia, West Virginia is probably a lock to win their first round game, in my opinion, unless they get a really, really bad matchup or they get maybe an 11 seed and they play a top six seed who's kind of hot at the end of the year. But the way they play, there's just uh, the way they've been playing recently since their poor start in the Big 12. I just this team, if they had a a decent start to the year and a better non-conference, they probably could be. four or five seed like iowa state is but those two extra losses that they do have are really a huge huge difference um so west virginia look out for them in the tournament at the same time though still going to be probably a pretty low seed maybe a nine or a ten in my opinion uh and then you have number 16 miami who beat number 25 Pitt 78 76 speaking of Pitt, they have a really hard resume to evaluate so does miami miami takes like one loss uh, one loss every four or five weeks and then all of a sudden Every single metric drops them like 15 to 20 spots. It's kind of it's kind of funny, actually. Uh, same thing with Virginia, too. And same thing with Pitt, actually. It's really the entire ACC that has that problem. Uh, but the conference, by the numbers, isn't very strong this year. Um, by the eye test, I also don't think it's very strong. I don't think any of these teams are in the top 10, uh, which is unusual for the ACC. I do think that Miami, Virginia, and Duke are somewhere in between the 10 to 25 range, all of them in, at various levels. And I think that that's good enough to make still a solid conference. And I don't think that Pitt is that far off from being in that category as well. They are not a top 25 team in the country, but they are at least somewhere close to that range. Um, So the ACC is having an odd year, but Miami closing out uh, senior night and getting a uh, ACC Uh, regular season, I guess, share of the title. Um, So congrats to Miami Uh, had a very good year, pretty much ended exactly where most people had them before the year. I had them, I think 21 or 22, something like that in my very, 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 very first preseason bracket. I mean, they're probably going to end up right in that range. I think right now I have them at 19. So very consistent throughout the year. Miami has been in a, a very inconsistent conference.
0: All right, that wraps up our look at Patrick's weekend predictions. As always, his uh, predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website, fourthand24.com, on Thursday. Let's move off of college basketball and move to our weekly recap of the NBA, starting, as always, with Patrick's three most impressive teams of the past week.
1: I will start with the New York Knicks, who went 4-0 and this week. Uh, they beat Boston in double overtime last night. They also beat Miami, Brooklyn, and Boston again earlier in the week. The Knicks double overtime win in Boston made it nine wins in a row for them, a really impressive streak for them, uh, which now has them sitting at fifth place in the East, just one game back of the Cavs for fourth. They beat playoff teams all week long, and the second win over the Celtics this week was even more impressive uh, because it was without Jalen Brunson playing. Notably, in that game, Emmanuel quickly played 55 minutes, um, in or 53 minutes. Sorry, that's impossible. Uh, in the double overtime victory, or no, he did play 55 minutes. No, that is possible. It's double overtime. He played 55 minutes. He only sat two or three minutes in the whole game. Um, an insane performance from him. A career high in points. Had I think 35 or 36 points, and just overall propelled the Knicks to that win. Uh, and a great week for them. Uh. I don't want to say overall again, but a great week for them overall. Uh, Then you have the Timberwolves who went 3-0 this week. They beat Sacramento and both LA teams. So a clean sweep sweep through the state of California for the Timberwolves. Uh, Very successful road trip for them. And uh, look, honestly, beating the Lakers is more of a challenge than it used to be. That used to be kind of a win where you say, okay, you can beat the Lakers, but can you beat a real playoff team? But at this point, the Lakers are looking like a real playoff team. Um, And also the the Timberwolves were able to halt the Kings recent hot streak because I don't think the Kings had lost since the All-Star break before this game. Um, And then they also added on a win over the Clippers, but we'll talk about them in a second on the flip side of this. A little bit of a spoiler there. Uh, But overall, a good week for the Timberwolves. Uh, Getting back over 500, placing themselves squarely in the play-in versus playoff discussion. I think they're currently sitting at 7th. Ah, uh, right on the cusp of entering into the play uh, entering out of the play in bracket and into the play off bracket. Um maybe they actually might be sixth now. They might be sixth right ahead of Dallas, but they're somewhere in that range. Uh, then you have the Phoenix Suns who went 3-0 this week. They beat Dallas, Chicago and Charlotte. Not a great schedule, which is why I have them at the bottom of this list, but I will say Kevin Durant looked great in his Suns debut after he finally uh, was able to get healthy. Uh, and come back for my fantasy basketball team, just in time for the playoffs. And then the Suns rode that momentum to a 3-0 and week. Their wins over Charlotte and Chicago obviously were not that impressive because of the opponents, but getting the revenge win over Kyrie and Dallas was definitely a feel-good uh, victory for the Suns, and something to be proud of uh, in their first little week of Kevin Durant-Devin uh, Booker action. Okay, let's
0: shift gears now and move to the three most disappointing teams of the past week in the NBA.
1: Well, as I said, I was going to talk about the Clippers uh, on the flip side of this. They are the most disappointing team of the week. They went one and three this week. Uh, They lost to Sacramento, Golden State, and Minnesota, and they beat Memphis. Uh, And again, while the Clippers were able to save their week from disaster with the win over Memphis, the Russell Westbrook experiment has not had amazing results for them so far. Uh, The Clippers were 33-28 and after beating the Suns in their final game before the All-Star break. Since the break, they're ice cold. They started on a five-game losing streak. They're now one in five since the break overall. They're currently eighth in the West and closer to the Lakers in 11th place than they are to the Suns, who are currently in fourth. Uh, They are anything but safe in relation to their playoff position, and they need to start playing a lot better soon to avoid a disastrous collapse at the end of the season. And I I should also mention that they struggled even to beat the Grizzlies, and we talked about it. John Moran is away from the Grizzlies. Uh, Brandon Clark just got injured the Grizzlies had Xavier Tillman and David Roddy out there together playing important minutes and no offense to either of them, but those, those two are not players that should be two prominent players in a rotation. That's beat. That's beating a playoff team. So it's more really about how bad the Clippers have been. Um, in my opinion, that the Grizzlies were able to keep that game close because they they really did not have anybody available. Everybody was injured pretty much except for Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. Um, and I actually don't even know if Jaron Jackson played to be quite honest, but Uh, Look, I I just don't like the way the Clippers are looking whatsoever. Um, The close wins against the close losses against the Kings are somewhat excusable. And the Kings have been playing well recently uh, and overall in the season because they are the third seed in the West. But at the same time, the Clippers need to figure out how to win those types of games because they're going to be playing those teams in the playoffs and they need to figure it out uh, before they get there. Then you have the Chicago Bulls. Uh, They lost to Indiana, Phoenix and Toronto this week. Their only win was over Detroit. Uh, only getting a win over one of the worst teams in the league after momentum building 2 in a week is just sad for the Bulls. They now sit tied for 11th with the Pacers, who just beat them last night. Uh, one and a half games back of the Wizards for a spot in the play-in bracket. And by the way, it's it's even more important that they lost to Indiana because Indiana is in the same chase for the same exact playoff spot that the Bulls are going for that final one. Um, and with not much time left in the season, they really need to pull it together soon. If they want to make a run at the playoffs, I'm just not so sure what that looks like for them at the moment. Um, and I really don't think that the bulls are rounding into form at the right time. They just haven't, they they really just have never had a point this year where they've sustained good play for enough time to make a, to make a good playoff run and improve their position in the standings. Um, and then finally you have the trailblazers. They lost to Atlanta, new Orleans and golden state this week. They beat Orlando very similar position to the Bulls. They also got a win over one of the worst teams in the league this week, but that was their only win of the week, uh, and are now one a, and they're now a half game out of the play-in bracket and currently hold the 13th seed in the West. The Lakers' recent push has them tied for Utah for the tied with Utah for the 10th seed in the West, while OKC is now also tied with the Trailblazers in that 12th and 13th spot. So the Blazers not having a good week and starting to tumble in the playoff standings.
0: All right. Well, who was your player of the week last week in the NBA?
1: Well, there weren't any uh, 70 point performances this week, like there were last week with Damian Lillard uh, or like there was last week, the one game with Damian Lillard, but uh, I gave it to Devin Booker. He averaged 36 points on 56% shooting 50% from three uh, with 7.7 assists and 5.3 rebounds per game. Pretty much really similar numbers to what I gave it to, to what uh, De'Aaron Fox had the week before when I gave him player of the week. So I'll give him credit for that. And he also led the Suns 3 in a week. I thought he worked really well with KD in all three of the games uh, and helped KD to a less flashy but still incredibly efficient week where he averaged 26.7 points on 69% shooting from the field.
0: All right, well, that wraps up our look at basketball. Let's move on to college basketball and start, as always, with the close games of the past week.
1: Number seven, Baylor beat Oklahoma State 74-68. to 68 uh Oklahoma State needing this win on their home Florida bolster their resume not able to do it they're still on the right side of the bubble in my opinion although now that I say that I actually don't think I have them in. no I don't have them in they are on the wrong side of the bubble I don't know why I said they were on the right side of the bubble um they are very very close to being on the right side of the bubble but they are not quite there yet and they're going to need a win at the big T- at the big 12 tournament probably two um and Spoiler alert, if you know anything about the Big 12, winning two games in that conference is not going to be very easy on a neutral court. Um, they're honestly just going to have to hope that they catch someone without very much momentum, because if you look at the Big 12 tournament bracket overall, it's just, it's a gauntlet, first of all, I have to say. Um, but the most important thing is that they are going to play Oklahoma, who, yeah, Oklahoma is, Oklahoma is definitely the worst team in the conference. Um, actually Texas tech might be at this point, but that's a different story. Uh, but the thing is their second round opponent is Texas. If they win that game, they're going to struggle to beat Oklahoma in the first place, not only just because it's a rivalry, but because Oklahoma has played well recently upsetting TCU at the end of the season, which i will talk about soon, but then they got to go out and beat the number two seed who is going to be a number two seed in the NCAA tournament bracket. Maybe even a one, if they finish the year, really, really strong. So I mean, the Big 12, again, it's just a gauntlet, and I don't really know how Oklahoma State's going to manage beating Oklahoma and Texas, but one of these teams in one of these conferences has to to beat a team better than them uh, to really change the bubble. Otherwise, we're going to have the exact same bracket that we have today as the NCAA tournament bracket, which wouldn't be very fun, but at the same time, it wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm hoping for a little more chaos this year. Uh, But then, uh, number three, Kansas beat Texas Tech 67-63, staying in the Big 12. Texas Tech kind of, they didn't really need this win um, because I just didn't think it was possible to get. Uh, but Texas Tech will now play West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament, and then they will rematch with Kansas if they're able to win that game. Um, so maybe they will have better luck on a neutral court, but that will be uh, postponed until later. We'll just have to see what happens in that, in, that uh, in the first game first, and then what happens if they even get to Kansas. Then you have number 13, Virginia, who beat Clemson 64 to 57. Uh, a good win for Virginia, Clemson, well, I, it's actually not a good win for Virginia. I will say the, the, I didn't really want to go into this, but I will say I think Virginia is probably the most overrated team in the country. I think there's no way this team is in the top fifteen. Um, I think they're the third best team in the ACC. I think that Duke and Miami are better teams. Um, and I just think that if you look at the course of the season, they really don't have the profile of a top team, and metrics do reflect that. Um, so i I just when the numbers, and the eye test match up for me it really paints a clear picture of a team when i watch virginia i don't see that that top 10 top 15 type of a team and then when i look at the numbers that would normally contradict that opinion they they don't show up either i mean they 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 just aren't i don't think that great of a team uh but then you have boise state who beat number 18 san diego state 66 to 60 watch out for boise state in the tournament uh not I, I wouldn't say they're they're gonna be a Cinderella story because I think they're gonna be uh an eight or a nine seed. But if they maybe slide, they might want to slide down to a ten seed, honestly, might help their chances because that would allow them to play a two seed in the second round rather than one of the one seeds, who I think are pretty dominant this year. Um, but I, I don't really know how I don't really know if they can pull off an upset over a two, but I still think they're a team who can at least win a game in the tournament. And San Diego State is definitely at least a sweet sixteen caliber team, in my opinion. Uh, depending on who they get as kind of their matchup in what will probably be um, a four or five pod there. But they could, they might slide to a six, depending on uh, their performance in the Mountain West tournament. Um, Then you have number 24, Texas A&M, who beat Ole Miss 69 to 61. Texas A&M continuing to pile up wins there. Uh, They would get a bigger win later in the week that we're going to talk about later. Uh, Number two, Alabama, beat Auburn 80 to 75 in overtime. Auburn is real. I mean, Alabama is really, really sliding. That also applies to Auburn, too. They're actually kind of going in the wrong direction as well. But I- I'm starting to think that this Alabama team is just a cloned version of last year's Auburn team that was really, really strong. The number one team in the country reached number one in the AP poll, maybe the number one overall seed at some point. They have a 6'11, quote unquote, unguardable three point shooter. A uh, player that's also a really good three-point shooter playing the power forward, small forward kind of position. And it's eerily similar how, how these teams have kind of mirrored the courses of the seasons last year. I really think that Auburn would have lost more than two games if the SEC was a little bit more top-heavy last year. And Alabama this year, I think, is the same exact situation. Um, they did lose later in the week, and we'll talk about that. But Alabama's starting to slide, and I really could see you know, last year, Auburn losing, Auburn being a two seed, um, allowed Miami to make their little Cinderella run as an 11, because they were able to take down Auburn. And I really see the possibility of, uh, Miami or of a, of a team like Miami this year, maybe it's West Virginia who gets a 10 seed, um, and then comes out and takes out Alabama. I wouldn't be that surprised this year. Uh, they're just kind of not playing well at the right, at the, at the, at the, they're playing. They're not playing well at the time of the year where you need to play your best, um. And that's something that I'm worried about. Then you have number 22 TCU who beat number nine Texas, 75 to 73. Uh, both these teams honestly playing okay. I don't really, I don't really have any takeaways from this game. Pretty, pretty typical Big 12 game where a team that's slightly worse than the other team gets a really close win at home. Uh, then you have number 19 Xavier who beat number 20 Providence, 94 to 89. Talk about playing poorly at the wrong time. Providence is playing horrible at the end of the year. We'll talk about what happened to them later in the week. That was an even worse loss than this, but this was their first home loss of the year. And they would follow up, follow it up again by losing again at home. Uh, then you have number five, Purdue who beat Wisconsin 63 to 61. Again, Wisconsin, Purdue really similar to Alabama actually in that they have also not played very well to close out the year. They're just, they started 20 and one and they're just six and four since then, um, which yeah, six and four in any stretch in the Big Ten is still good. I mean, if you go six and four twice in that conference, you would have ended up with the two seed. That's what Northwestern did. Um, but at the same time, Purdue is not supposed to be a team that that that's a two seed in a conference that has the biggest logjam in the world between two and nine. They're supposed to be a dominant number one seed, um, and they just haven't looked the part recently. So that's something interesting to monitor going into the tournament. Um, then you have number eight, Arizona, who beat USC 87-81. to 81. Very not. It didn't end up being important for the bubble, but USC had a chance to kind of keep sliding down if they took another loss on their home floor this week, but they avoided that. Um, well by beating Arizona state later in the week, Uh, I'm not going to talk about that any further, but USC did beat Arizona state at home later in the week. Very important for the bubble. Speaking of the bubble, Illinois beat, beat Michigan 91 to 87 in double overtime. Both teams had seven point leads and should have closed out the game. Uh, Illinois, in regulation had that lead, Michigan had that lead in overtime. And then in the end, uh, Illinois choked the lead, it went to overtime, Michigan choked the lead, it went to double overtime, Illinois ended up being victorious. Uh, Then you have number 24, Texas A&M, who beat number two, Alabama 67 to 61. This is what I was talking about with Alabama. I mean, Texas A&M is probably the second best team in the SEC, I think I would make that argument. Um, But look at where they're ranked. They're 24th in the country, right? So this is what I'm talking about, kind of with the lack of depth in the sec maybe maybe kentucky is also making an argument for second best but i'd give it to texas a&m right now i think they deserve that um that distinction but this is kind of the point that i'm making with alabama which is that there aren't enough top teams to really take them out and hand them losses but at the same time i feel like if they kept playing the better teams in the sec at this point in the year they would end up sliding a lot more in standings than they have uh they still were able to win the sec regular season but i think that a and I think that even Kentucky might be playing better than Alabama at the moment um, within their conference. And I think a lot of teams in the country are playing better than them. Speaking of two teams who are playing better than Alabama right now, I would give that status to number four UCLA and number eight Arizona who, who? Uh, sorry, who, number eight Arizona who lost to UCLA, obviously 82 to 73. We already talked about some in my predictions, so I'll move on from it. Number six, Marquette beat St. John's 96 to 94. St. John's not a bubble team at all or anything like that, but Still would have been nice for them to get a feel-good victory to beat Marquette to end the season, but not able to do it. West Virginia beat number 11, Kansas State, 89-81. to We already talked about that one. Uh, Auburn beat number 12, Tennessee, 79-70. to Auburn getting kind of the last win that I think they needed to guarantee their tournament spot. I really don't think that a loss in the SEC tournament takes them out of the NCAA tournament at this point. But if they had lost this game, maybe it would have. When Once you start to get to that 13, 12, or 13 loss mark, that's where you're really, really on the bubble. Um, and Auburn in, in, a, in a really good conference, that is. And Auburn is going to be at 12 at the end of the season. But with this win, I think they've done just enough to still feel safe on Selection Sunday. They won't be in a play-in game or anything like that unless they really lose horribly um, in the SEC tournament. But as long as they're able to keep a game close or even win a game, they'll be just fine. Uh, then you have number 16, Miami, who beat number 25, Pitt, 78-76. Again, already talked about that one. Number 23, Kentucky, beat Arkansas 88-79 on the road. This was a good win for, for, for Kentucky, a bounce back from something that happened to them earlier in the week that we'll get to in a second because um, it was a crazy week for upsets, and Kentucky was the victim of one of them. And uh, speaking of Blue Bloods, Duke beat North Carolina 62-57. to I don't think North Carolina's uh, tournament hopes were tanked in this game, but they definitely took a big hit. Um, they are definitely on the wrong side. Uh, the outside looking in on the in terms of the bubble whereas before this game i would say they would they were probably on the right side if not at least right on the cut but now they're definitely firmly on the outside looking in uh number one houston beat memphis 67 to 65 mark uh, jamal shed actually with a buzzer beater in that game to propel houston to the win over a memphis team that's still fighting for tournament positioning but definitely not i guess you could call them a bubble team because they won't make the tournament by a huge margin but I don't think they have any chance of missing the tournament. So I wouldn't really define them as being on the bubble. Then you have number five, Purdue, who beat Illinois 76 to 71. But Purdue was up 24 in this game and ended up getting all the way to the point where Illinois had um, was fouling with less than a minute left and only down two. Uh, actually had the ball, I think, down two or three in this game at some point very late in the game. So Illinois just I mean, Illinois had actually a decent week. Um, after bad starts to both of their games, to be honest. But they're dealing with some injury issues right now. Uh, Jaden Epps is out with a concussion, and they really don't have a point guard at all uh, because Sky Clark left the team for he transferred. Um, But Illinois dealing with a lot of things right now, and Purdue just should be able to put away a team like this at home. But the fact that they're not able to is telling me that they are not playing well right now. Um, Then you have Penn State, who beat number 21, Maryland, 65-64, to Maryland ends the year with just two true road wins. This team is going to be very hard to judge ju- going into March Madness because who knows if their uh, home court Juju will carry over to neutral courts or if the away um, Juju will carry over to neutral courts because as we know, neutral courts are somewhere in between home and away courts. So that is the point of them. Uh, but if they if they play like they do at home, Maryland is probably a Sweet 16 team. If they play like they do on the road, they're a first-round exit. Um, which is a very, very stark contrast between uh, floor and ceiling for them. But that is how their season has gone. And then number 15, beat Mich- Indiana beat Michigan at 75 to 73 in overtime. I like the way Indiana has been playing recently, playing well uh, at the right time, the opposite of Alabama or Purdue. Um, but Michigan needing these wins to get off the bubble, but not able to secure either of those overtime games early in the week or late in the week.
0: Okay, let's move on to some upsets from college basketball last week.
1: After the mouthful of games that I just went through, we will talk about uh, the upsets in a crazy week. Not a single one of these games has a ranked team uh, as the team that is doing the upset, Um, but many ranked teams getting upset, starting with West Virginia, who beat Iowa State 72 to 69 on the road. Iowa State has been just like Maryland, can't win a game on the road, very good at home the entire year. Uh, this week they flipped that around because they won a home, they lost a home game to an inferior team and then beat and then beat a superior team on the road that we'll get to in a second. Um Iowa beat number 15 Indiana 90 to 68. Maybe this loss at home was kind of what sprung Indiana to to get it back together against Michigan. I don't really know, but this was a surprising game uh, for sure for Iowa to just come out and absolutely hammer Indiana on the road. And then Iowa turned around and lost to Nebraska at home later in the week. So the Big Ten is just, I mean, the Big Ten at one point in the season was cannibalizing itself in terms of the top teams were just beating up on each other. Now everybody in the conference is. Minnesota's gotten a few wins recently, beating Rutgers. Everybody is just taking each other out. Michigan beating Rutgers on the road has left Rutgers as a bubble team, but didn't do enough to boost Michigan's resume as a tournament team. Um, And speaking of the Big Ten cannibalizing itself, here we go some more. Ohio State, they came out of nowhere. They decided to wake up this week and beat Maryland, uh, 73-62. to Furthermore, the point that Maryland can't win road games. Uh, then Penn State went on the road and beat Northwestern, 68-65 in overtime. Penn State really needed this win for their tournament. Hopes needed to go 2-0 and after choking that game against Rutgers at home. Uh, they probably needed to close out the season 2-1 and in their final three games. The ideal path would have been beating Rutgers and beating Maryland and then taking the loss to Northwestern and everything would have been okay. They made things harder on themselves by losing to Rutgers at home, but they were able to pick it up by beating uh, Northwestern, obviously, in this game. And then also they beat um, Maryland, as we talked about earlier in the week. Uh, Then the big upset that I was talking about earlier with Kentucky, Vanderbilt beat number 23, Kentucky 68 to 66. This team is probably three wins away in the SEC tournament from making the tournament. I actually don't know how Vanderbilt has been able to do this, but they have won six of their last seven games and they are all of a sudden a bubble team. I think they started the season, t- or no, they actually started the season 10 and 12. They're now 18 and 13. They've won eight of their last nine. Um, the problem is winning three games in the SEC tournament is basically going to require them to win the SEC tournament almost. It, it actually might, I, I say almost, but it actually might require them winning the entire thing. Um, so it'll be really hard for Vanderbilt to do that, but they have a lot of work to do, but they, they might be capable judging on the recent results. Um, a team who's not capable But still got a win. Notre Dame beat number 25, Pitt 88 to 81. Mike Bray stepping away from the team at the end of the season, but able to get this little final feel good win at home uh, over Pitt. Then you have Minnesota, as I said, who beat Rutgers 75 to 74. Um, Iowa State, as I said, flipping their home road fortunes by beating number seven Baylor on the road this week, 73 to 58. Baylor kind of ending their uh, quest for a one seed in this game, but still probably a two seed even with this loss. Just need to, uh, just probably win one game in the big 12 tournament. And that should be safe. That should be enough for them. Um, Unless someone else, unless Kansas state were to win the tournament, because that would knock Baylor down uh, a little bit. And, you know, some other results might affect that as well. But for now, Baylor's still in a good position. Um, Then you have Seton Hall who beat number 20 Providence, 82 to 58. Providence, again, as I said, horrible at the end of the season, losing their first home game of the year. Yeah, it's to Xavier. It's excusable. But this game, losing to a non-tournament team by 24 on senior night, that is a horrible look for a team that's going into the tournament. They're not on the bubble because they just they, they built up too strong of a resume to miss the tournament already. But this team, if they had one or two more losses earlier in the year, they would probably be in danger of missing the tournament right now. Uh, but because they were able to just squeak out those close wins like they have for the last few years under Ed Cooley, um they 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 are still uh they were still a top 25 team until this week and then obviously now they won't be anywhere close to that but um still a tournament team for sure um it's interesting i feel like providence is basically the anti michigan providence wins all the close games michigan loses all the close games um and instead of having providence on the bubble and michigan safely and you have michigan on the bubble safely out and providence not safely well safely locked into the tournament but not the, in the best of positions um, and then you have Oklahoma who beat number 22, TCU, 74 to 60. This is not going to give TCU too much of a hit on their resume. Still probably a five seed, uh, maybe a six seed. But Oklahoma actually playing well at the right time. If they're able to make a run to the finals, they might be considered for the tournament despite having 15 or 16 losses. It's crazy to say that, but the Big 12 has been really, really good. And the teams they would have to beat on the at the end of the season might be able to boost their resume just enough to get them there. But I don't think that's a very likely scenario. Uh, then you have Northwestern who beat Rutgers sixty five to fifty three on the road. This game was the definition of a rock fight, and then the stadium scoreboard caught on fire. Um, so yeah, this was a weird game. Uh, if you watched it, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry that I spent my time watching it, but I did because that's my uh, that's my job as a as being an accurate bracketologist. Hopefully, um, I will say Northwestern getting a win to end the year is very very important. Rutgers definitely trending in the wrong direction. Uh, they re- they they need to beat Michigan or they will probably miss the tournament. I think if they lose to Michigan, Michigan might even take their spot in the tournament, depending on what they do in the rest of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, but Rutgers desperately needs that win. They have just been on a total tumble since mawat Mag got injured earlier in the season.
0: Okay, let's move on to any other important games that uh, you might not have mentioned previously from the last week of college basketball.
1: Well, these were just pretty much as normal, the games that weren't very close, uh, but still uh, good games and uh, meant various things. Number six, Marquette beat Butler 72 to 56. Uh, Marquette still looking good. Just honestly, they're the top team that no one is talking about. Probably the most underrated team in the country. I know they're number six in the country, but people don't talk about them like they're number six in the country. People focus a lot more on the Texases and the, you know, Kansas State, even a Tennessee, right? But Marquette's sitting there at number six in the country saying, Why are you guys not talking about us? We're not like Purdue losing, going six and four at the end of the season. We won the Big East by two games outright. I mean, they had a they won the Big East before Purdue won the Big Ten. Marquette deserves a lot more credit. They've had an amazing year. Chaka Smart should be the coach of the year of the Big East because they were picked, I think, ninth in the preseason poll, and they finished first pretty easily. Um, so Marquette just putting together a great season there. Uh, Then you have number 12, Tennessee, who beat Arkansas 75 to 57. These two teams are both loved by computers and hated by people's eye tests. But um, in the end, I think they'll get rated about exactly where they should be. Tennessee's around a three seed and Arkansas uh, maybe an eight or a nine, although metrics say they should be a lot higher than that. But I don't really agree with that. If you watch that team, I don't know how they're ranked top 20 in both the net and Ken Palm, but we'll see. Very interesting matchup. Um With Arkansas, if you're a one seed, they will be an interesting team to to play. They also got Nick Smith back from injury after a while recently, so they're getting healthy at the right time. But we'll see if they have enough time to put it together. Uh, very interesting team to watch in the SEC tournament. I would monitor how they're playing there, and then kind of if you're deciding what to do with your bracket, um, base Arkansas's standing in your bracket off of how they do in the SEC tournament. It will be very indicative of how they'll of how of how they'll play because they have a lot of potential but they haven't really lived up to it at any point this year. Uh, Then you have number four, UCLA who beat Arizona state 79 to 61 talked about it again, Arizona state playing themselves really out of the NCAA tournament, definitely in earlier in the week, but after the loss to Arizona to UCLA and to uh, USC, probably not in it anymore. They probably need to beat one of those tournament quality teams in the, in the Pac 12 tournament. Also maybe even get Oregon out of the picture as well. Um, And then talked about in my predictions number nine texas beat number three kansas 75 to 59 and finally after all the games that i've talked about after all the bubble talk after all the tournament talk number 14 yukon beat villanova 71 to 59 um i apologize for the five teams that clinched auto bids this weekend that i didn't even mention once uh so i will say congratulations to drake Kennesaw state unc asheville southeast missouri state and fairleigh dickinson for clinching auto bids to the ncaa tournament uh, Drake, a fixture in the NCAA tournament recently. Uh, Kennesaw State getting their first appearance, although unfortunately for selfish reasons, I would have loved to have seen Darius McGee in a tournament game again for Liberty, but probably not going to happen. Um, Maybe they could get in as an at-large, probably not. The committee doesn't tend to put teams like that in the tournament. We'll see how those teams fare. If Kennesaw State ends up a 15 seed, That would be the, they'd be the most likely team to beat a two seed this year. One of those slumping teams that I was talking about earlier, if they're at a two seed, watch out for Kennesaw state. I'm not even lying. I'm not even trying to be funny that they, you know, we've seen a Michigan state lose to middle Tennessee back in the day. I'd say back in the day as if that wasn't like only five or six years ago, but still pretty long time ago. Um, But if you're looking for a team, if you want to make a crazy bracket where you have to have a 15 seed winning in the first round or something like that, Kennesaw state's probably my pick.
0: Okay, that wraps up our look at college basketball from last week. It also wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Monday, March 13th, where we will, once again, recap Patrick's weekend predictions and have our weekly look at NBA and college basketball action. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his NCAA basketball tournament bracket that will be updated on Tuesday and his picks for next weekend's games, as we mentioned, that will be posted, as always, on Thursday. All that content on our website fourthand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.